Howdy, Pete Callender here with my lovely wife, Christy. Hello. Who has been telling me to take a few days off, especially when I tallied it up the other day and discovered that I had taken a grand total of three days off in 2020. Sounds about right. Fair enough. As I always say, though, he who stops to sharpen his axe cuts more wood. So today I'm off sharpening my axe, and I hope you enjoy today's repeat episode. And remember, subscribe to the podcast at thepetecallendershow.com. It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. What does it take to win uh, the House in North Carolina? The General Assembly... House of Representatives, what does it take to win and to keep the majority? We're going to find out in a little bit. First, I want to thank the patrons that make the show possible. Folks like Lisbeth, JF, Leslie, No Thanos, Lisa, Jolene, WC, Caddy, David, and Mark. Thanks so much for the support. I couldn't do the show without you. I could not sleep as deeply as I do either without Growers Hemp CBD products. I use the drops. They do have others like the Balm and uh, lozenges. I've tried all of them. I like the drops. They've got uh, various flavors. And uh, I take a couple drops within 10, 15 minutes of going to bed. And then I sleep more deeply than I ever have in my entire life. I've always been a very light sleeper until I started taking growers hemp. These are North Carolina farmers. They control the whole process from seed all the way to shelf. All right, there uh, a couple folks, farmers down east of Charlotte. They got a bunch of their other farmer friends together, and they're like, why don't we control this so we can give the best quality at the lower prices? And uh, you can get it at growershemp.com. They're also on the shelves at the Broad River Hemp Company in Shelby, Medical Pharmacy in Locust, and the Durham Co-op. But you can get them at growershemp.com, and if you use the promo code PETE, you'll get 20% off. As with all CBD products, here is the official disclaimer GovCo requires. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These uh, products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And nothing that I have said, in case you were unclear, is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product at all. Just, it's always a good piece of advice. Consult your doctor, folks. Okay. I take Growers Hemp. I recommend it. Growershemp.com. Promo code Pete, 20% off. From North Carolina farmers to you, Growers Hemp. It's about the hemp and not the hype. Joining me now is Stephen Wiley. He is the North Carolina House Republican Caucus Director. And uh, welcome to the show, Stephen. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Pete. Um, I've got a face for radio and a voice for Telegram. Perfect. So this is, uh, this is a great Great day for me to uh, to at least flex one of those muscles. Have you have you done any radio or television interviews? Do you do a lot of these as the caucus director? Uh, not as the caucus director. Um, there, I have been imploring uh, Tim Boyum to let me on for a weekly segment on the Bachelorette and the NBA and breaking those down. But mm. it is not. Uh, turns out that no one else is interested in uh, my opinion on anything. 
are remotely related to that. So, it's weird. Yeah, this is there this are is so many. Yeah, but there are so many Bachelorette podcasts and uh, forums and such. Like you would think there would be some room for you at that table. You would think. You know, the Republican Party is a big tent party, and I guess the Bachelorette is not as big of a tent as the GOP. There you go. Your first rim shot on a radio interview, I bet. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you never forget your first. <laughs> That's but. right. Exactly. So um, I'm curious, did you have experience as a cat herder or something that got you that job as a caucus director uh, for a political chamber? Uh, as a cat herder, I mean, I've got cats, um, which so they, they are a little bit actual cats are sometimes a little easier to deal with than <laughs> a, a big caucus. Um, yeah, there we go. I'm on a roll today. So. <laughs> So that, that's about the extent of it. And I've, I've got sitting on my lap a uh, trash cat who likes to talk on the phone as well. So he may uh, chime in at some point. He's, it might be a more intelligible contribution uh, <laughs> for anything I might be giving you. Uh, total honesty here. I had no idea that such a job even existed um, and that anybody had such a job in North Carolina. And I follow politics, I thought, pretty closely. So, And I saw somebody, and I've been following you on Twitter, but I saw somebody give you credit after the election, and I thought, you know what, and I wrote your name down. I was like, I need to I need to circle back and ask him some questions about the electoral outcomes. And I'll say all that to give you the softball lead-off here, which is uh, I tried to Google you and find out more information about, you know, your job, and you don't, you don't turn up in search results. And That's right, yeah. yeah. No, and and so it's it's one of those jobs that I didn't know existed until before I decided I, I wanted to get into uh, the, the side of, of politics after working at the legislature. Um, so I, I think and people on the inside it, don't even know that this job exists. It's hard to even describe what it is this job is. And then I also have the added benefit of sharing my name with a lot of uh I would generously say D-list celebrities. So I'm not frequently on the first couple pages of Google results. Typically, if you type in my name, Stephen Wiley, the first result is the first ever Christian rapper who is a youth pastor in Oklahoma in the 1980s, um, known for songs such as um, Rapping for Jesus, Bible Break. Classic. Teenage Mutant Youth Group members. Oh, ahead. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a now deceased Democratic state legislator from New Jersey named Stephen Wiley, who is also an amateur poet. Um, that really confuses people. Uh, there's a magician in London named Stephen Wiley. Uh, there's a DJ. So there's just enough, just enough Stephen Wiley's that. Uh, I, I can be a little bit more difficult to find. Right. Um, Which is actually yeah. a blessing. That's actually a blessing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because right. people, given that given that murderer's row lineup you just uh, named, people are going to go down so many rabbit holes before they ever find you online. Right. I mean, That's right. That's right. If you if you're interested in finding out more about close up magic and um, attending uh, weddings and children's birthday parties yeah uh, visit my website stephen <laughs> um so yeah so, I'll, I'll booking in heathrow uh beginning in february so so I, okay so now and i know this is not what i had you on to talk about but now i'm kind of curious uh because i'm a curious kind of guy so uh, i've got to ask like how much time did you spend 
going through the different Stephen Wileys. Like, I understand Googling yourself, although, like, honestly, I, like, I don't do it because I kind of know what it's going to show. So I'm kind of curious, like, you went, you Google your name and you find this stuff, and now you've obviously committed much of it to memory. So you, yeah. you've, <laughs> you've spent some well, amount of time, like, looking into these other people's lives, right? Yeah, and google alerts you know i set up google alerts oh my goodness just out of curiosity <laughs> and and i'd say 95 percent of them are um you know retrospectives on early christian rap um which is always fun uh to, yeah. to hear about the the ways that i've contributed to uh, a landmark <laughs> genre um th- things like that like so now yeah. Christian rap I didn't even know it existed. Did they do any crossover work with like uh, bands like Striper? Remember that band? Like a Christian hard rock heavy metal band? Like any kind of crossover work like that? They, they could. Uh, I've not done um, enough research to actually know the answer <laughs> to that. Um, the Christian rapper Stephen Wiley though is actually musically pretty gifted, uh, and he he wrote he wrote the hook to Basketball by Curtis Blow. You know, the basketball is my favorite sport, mm-hmm. like the way they dribble up and down the court. Even so I know he, that he one. Was, yeah. Yeah. So he was one of the writers on uh, on that song. You listen to him read off the books of the Bible. It's pretty clear where the flow comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He, he's clearly had a much more interesting life than I have to this point. <laughs> well, I don't know. The last the last election cycle might, uh, might counter some of that, right? The, this was, I thought a performance that not a lot of people expected in North Carolina politics. Um, I gave up making predictions on elections in 2016. It has so far served me very well. Um, So as we get into this line of questioning, now let me ask first off, what exactly is the role of the North Carolina House GOP caucus director? Like what are, are you... Are you doing politics? Are you doing policy? Are you a legislative? Like you said, you came out of the legislature, so you were, or uh, so you were working, I guess, for the NCGA uh, as a state employee. Mm-hmm. So you're not that anymore. Is that? Can you explain for me what exactly the role is and is not? Sure. Um, so it is exclusively political in nature. Um, I am uh, policy agnostic because I, I serve every every member and candidate in the, in the House Republican caucus. Um, and so we, you know, I, I completely neutral on the majority of policy items. You know, there are some where it's, you know, uh, taxes should be lower and people should be freer, which we all broadly agree on as Republicans, where I can be a little bit more public in my opinions. But for the most part, uh, I stay completely away from policy. Um, I, I think the the best way to describe it is I'm a glorified administrator. Uh, I spend probably 80% of my time looking at spreadsheets, whether it's balancing books, um, it's looking at voter turnout numbers and things like that, uh, forwarding emails. I I really am just a, I'm a, I'm I'm really am a glorified administrator. Hmm. Um, So it's, and I, I think a lot of the, a lot of jobs in politics are, um, much more like that than people necessarily realize where it's not this, these glamorous um, parties and um, steakhouses and smoke filled back rooms. It, it really is just a lot of, um, did I remember to respond to that email and did I finish updating those two spreadsheets today? So, uh, and, to, and that's, 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 that's the bulk of it. To what end? What, and what's the purpose of all this administrative sure. work? 
Sure. Um, so the role the the caucus fills, this is actually something that the Democrats did before the Republicans did. Um, and uh, they, they would provide services to anyone running um, for for office in their caucus. And so it started, the Democrats did it first and they did it really well. Um, and the Senate Republican caucus started in the mid 2000s and the House Republican caucus started um, the cycle after that. And basically we, we provide uh, kind of like, I, I look at you as like a kind of fill in the blank services for people who um, maybe don't have a consultant that covers a certain area. Um, we can help facilitate with um, you know, opposition research, um, you know, direct mail, uh, filming uh, filming commercials and things like that. So we're just this large institution um, that pulls our resources and makes uh, makes decisions. Uh, our our leadership team makes decisions about where the best to to allocate resources based off of money raised and how things are looking. Um, so whether it's you know, whether it's direct voter contact with mail, digital ads, or anything like that, uh, or helping provide fundraising um, support, things like that. We we offer a wide range of services to members and candidates. So uh, this provided that they are House Republican candidates. Right. Yes. Obviously, uh, that that important caveat. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like this is sort of like the the state level version of the D Triple C. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's exactly okay. what it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, and is it just you? How many other people are, are working with you on this? Sure. So we, we typically have um, we typically have two or three full like year round full time staff, mm-hmm. and then we'll we'll staff up more during uh, during election season. Uh, there will be different vendors that we work with, um, and we've every caucus is a little different. Um, from state to state, um, and the, the Senate Republican caucus is—they—they've uh, they've typically got another staff member or two um, because of theirs is just structured a little bit differently. Um, but we—we've—we are a little less uh, centri- centralized than the Senate caucus because we have a lot of really good, strong, um, strong people we work with. Not that the Senate Republican caucus doesn't, but. Um, yeah, be careful. You don't want to start way, yeah, any right, kind of a yeah. war here. Yeah, between yeah. Just, just the way the way that you have developed. I mean, when you've got more members in one caucus as opposed to the others, it's just a little less. It's a little less centralized sure. than it is in the Senate. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of houses, actually, if you are thinking about buying or selling a house in the Asheville area, then I've got the realtor for you. Her name is Rowena Patton, the British girl in the mountains. She and her all-star powerhouse team. Uh, they will get your household quickly and for more money. She outsells 99% of the realtors in the state of North Carolina. And if you're looking to buy a house, she has homes in all price points. If you're looking to sell, she has buyers already lined up. Uh, this is who I called when I, uh, Christy and I, when we started buying our house. And uh, we just had friends, sold, uh, they sold their house. Listeners of the show, it's one of the downsides here. I, I tell people about Rowena. She's so fantastic. And then my listeners, they move out of the area. Uh, but it's the price I pay because I'm a giver. 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com. That's the website. 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com. And start packing. Stephen Wiley is my guest. He is the North Carolina House Republican Caucus Director, not the Christian rapper, the first Christian rapper, Stephen Wiley. Um, so tell us, um, 
when you, I guess we'll kind of walk through this a little bit chronologically, if we can. How do you, uh, how does the caucus decide uh, sort of what, I'm, and I'm guessing here, I have no idea, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, do you target the districts that you want to try to flip or keep? Do you target the districts first, or does it start with the candidate recruitment? Yeah, um, so down ballot, down ballot races, the the most important thing is the national environment. Hmm. So how do people feel about um, the the two major parties and what they're doing nationally? Uh, that, that's the overwhelming majority of what makes or breaks an election. Uh, and then from there, we do want to identify candidates that will match the, the makeup of the district or, or the, the tenor of that election. And so we'll spend a, we spend a lot of time identifying um, just names in every area. Uh, and we, we start reaching out to people and network um, to see, you know, who, who do you know that would be good to run, whether it's a, Someone who has previous elected experience, whether it's like, you know, like a, a sheriff or a county commission out west, for example, um, out in the mountains, that's a big deal. You know, we've got um, former county commissioners and sheriffs that successfully ran for office and won this time. Or, you know, is there you know, Dr. Kristen Baker in Cabarrus County is a really good example of this where um, Cabarrus County is, is growing and she's in the part uh, that's seen explosive growth. Uh, over the last 15 years, and her experience both in healthcare and education was very significant, especially given uh, the biggest issues that we have in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Education is always um, a huge, huge issue, and she's had a lot of experience uh, with um, with private schools and, and um, school choice programs. And then she's also spent over two decades uh, as a uh, as a psychiatrist. So her experience. Uh, as a medical professional was obviously huge too, especially as Democrats sought to make this election more and more about healthcare in right. addition to education. And that was even before COVID. Right. So identifying people who can match what the district really needs is significant. So, I, you know, I'll use that Kristen Baker um, race as an example. That's a seat that we won. That was uh, that was one of our median seats that was going to make or break who held the majority. Mm. And to us, you know, we we agreed with the Democrats that healthcare and education were two very large issues. And it makes it very difficult, I think, for the Democrats to run a credible campaign against a medical professional saying that she doesn't know how to address the cost of healthcare and healthcare policy. And so it's a it's a way that we can find a, a great candidate that matches the needs of the district and the needs of the moment. And um, Dr. Baker's, she got appointed back in March and she's been a great legislator already. And it's, um, she won, she had a huge victory on election night and she's going to continue to be a, a great legislator. Plus so that's, that's there, where we start. Yeah. Yeah. Plus there's a psychiatrist, uh, which I'm sure has got to be helpful when you're dealing with that many elected officials. I'm sorry you don't have to that's comment right. on that one. That's that's all me. All right. So, I'm not. I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I promise. I'm not. No, trying it's to. okay. No, no. Uh, no, she's she's uh, she's had her work cut out for her. Um, listening in on those caucus calls. Right. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. She's got she's got sixty plus colleagues who would all readily admit that she's uh, 
she's got her work cut out with her now if, cut out for her with all. right if there's start if i start seeing proposals to replace all the chairs with couches uh you know in the chamber <laughs> i'm gonna have some questions okay uh so all right so yeah. that's a good example that that you kind of you're looking for the candidates so is it it's mm-hmm. kind of the same thing at this it, you're, you're doing both at the same time you're looking at districts but you're looking at candidates as well because I, I gather if you find a really good candidate but they happen to be in a district that's not going to be conducive for a republican win then you right. may try to like convince that person or or you know funnel that person into a different race outside of a house district right right uh, or and we're, we're pretty candid with people when we when they don't necessarily live in a competitive seat and yeah. say yeah th- this would be a very difficult seat to win even in the most republican year uh, but here's why we think you should run and so we, there's there's a gentleman in um in uptown charlotte who i think uses a great example his name is kyle kirby mm-hmm. and is one of the you know, 10 or 15 most democratic districts in the state and he knew he knew going into it that this was this was a long shot and we talked to him about you know here's why it's still okay to run run your race and, and and be true to who you are because i i believe republican party is you know it is a big tent party and there's uh there's a party there's a home for a lot of different people of different ideological persuasions in our party um, but also running a campaign that matches what the district would want so you know kyle kyle uh um he outperforms other people on the ballot in his district because he ran a race that was not necessarily what you might think of a conventional Republican race, uh, where he talked more about, um, you know, increasing investments in education, public education and, and things like that, yeah. uh, which were more more central to his campaign than what you might view as a conventional Republican race. Um, and, and I think it's even if it's a seat that an average Democrat wins by 50 points, I think there's a huge benefit to having someone who can speak clearly to what the Republican party has to offer to people. Um, and I, you know, I'm a, I live in, I live in Raleigh, uh, which, you know, liberal bastion that it is now. I don't think Republicans should abandon major cities uh, because we still do have a message. We still do have policies that um, can address many of the issues of, of growing cities that are even democratic controlled. Speaking of control, do you need better control over your projects either around the house or maybe your general contractor? General Equipment Rental is your place to go to rent equipment, whether it's the size of an earth mover uh, or you just need like a tile cutting saw or something or scaffolding or I mean, I could list all of the types of tools that they have, but we'd be here for hours because General Equipment Rental has basically every tool that you're going to need. Okay, and you go, you rent the tool, the right tool. That's the key for the job you're trying to get done, and it makes it so much easier. Please take my word for this. I have done projects, uh, renovated a house years ago, and about 15 years ago, and I did not have all the right tools. It made the job take longer, cost me more money, more frustration. I did not like it. So General Equipment Rental is where you go to get your tools for your jobs to get the jobs done right, and they can provide guidance to make sure you're getting the right tool for the job you need it for. Uh, Also, they are your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. Go to General Equipment Rental. Uh, They're on Merriman Avenue at the intersection of Reams Creek Road in Weaverville. 
Family owned and operated for three generations. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. GeneralRents.com. And think outside your toolbox. My guest is Stephen Wiley. He's the North Carolina House GOP Caucus Director. And uh, I, I think this is an important point that a lot of times Republicans and, and not just elected officials, but, you know, voters in general just would rather move out. And I've been watching this happen. I lived in Charlotte for so many years and saw it happen down there. Uh, you know, the the surrounding counties get redder and Mecklenburg gets bluer. Uh, it's just easier to move out than to try to constantly fight the fights and, and win the converts to your philosophy. But I don't think that's a reason to to, to seed the field, basically, to give up. Um, but if you want to be part of your local government, there really isn't an option. I live in Asheville now, right? I, if, if I want to get appointed to a city com, uh, committee or something, I'm not going to get that appointment. It's just not going to happen. So I think that, that that's right. that's one of the reasons why people then leave is because they want to if they want to be engaged, you're you're basically having to tilt at windmills <laughs> for a very long period of time. Right. Um, but on the other hand, and this gets to this question also, uh, like you were mentioning in the Uptown Charlotte race, which is uh, you field a candidate because if you don't have a candidate to field, then it frees up that opponent to go do work for other campaigns. You, you just you give them all this room to run instead of making them defend the seat and, you know, spending time and resources and volunteers in that district. So, uh, like, I see this, I see this both ways, I guess. And in, I, I guess, years ago, 20 years ago, I remember the, the thought was, well, just don't even field anybody. It's a non-competitive seat. But now it seems like it, it's inverted. Now it's like, no, we want to field candidates in every seat possible. Right. And, and the other thing about this, too, is like, I mean, trends exist until they don't. Um, I mean, if we look at 10 years ago and I, with uh, the 2010 census and how maps were drawn nationally and different congressional maps and, and how so many of these these maps were um, these like Republican seats, not, not only in North Carolina, but everywhere were um, predicated upon, okay, well, where do Democrats live versus Republicans? And think about how much has changed in the last 10 years. 10 years ago, I, nobody saw what happened in southeastern North Carolina, where almost overnight went from voting Democrat to Republican. Yeah. And conversely, like, I don't think I would have ever believed that that South Southwest Wake seat that we just flipped back um, from Democrat to Republican would have ever voted Democrat in 2018. I mean, the, the suburbs, suburbs were Republican for forever. And we've, for decades, we've spent under this assumption that, oh, Republicans, they're going to win the suburbs. Well, that's not necessarily the case uh, the last couple cycles. And that might change again. And I mean, 10 years ago, Republicans here in Wake County controlled, I think, you know, Board of Education, um, the County Commission. Um, we had had a couple of Republican mayors not too, in the not too distant past. Yeah, um, we had Republican members of city council. I mean, you still got Republican members of Charlotte City Council. Um, so, you know, I as a guy who's interested in local politics but does not work in local politics, you know, I I, I never want to seed um, seed the the, the field uh, if I don't have to, especially because there are still issues that are important um important for us right uh, and, and, you know the we we've got this um this this current stadium proposal 
uh, in, in downtown Raleigh for a multi-purpose soccer stadium that would also be live live concerts and there's all this mixed housing that goes into it and uh, mixed use and affordable housing has become the number one issue with it uh, and zoning housing regulations uh, and all the in commercial regulations and I think have been even more highlighted by COVID when you know yeah. I walk in downtown Raleigh and there's basically um you know, street dining now right. that had been cracked down on over the last decade where we still have issues that we can win on in North Carolina. Um, even if it's not necessarily um, like going to be underneath the Republican banner at the local level, because that that's, you know, that that's where we start to grow. Uh, we start to grow our, our base and our, our ideas um, down ballot. You look at Wake County is one of the most liberal counties uh, in the state and almost 36% of Wake County voted for Donald Trump. That's, you know, a quarter million people in Wake County. That's not an insignificant amount. And if you're looking at, you know, the city of Raleigh, let's say 15% of the city of Raleigh voted for, for Donald Trump. You know, that's a hundred thousand plus people that, that are Republican voters. And that, that's a base that you can build off of. And I, I never want to just not fight for those people's votes. So explain, because you're getting into sort of, you know, uh, message development here. And, you know, how do you how do you reach these people? How do you speak to people who live in an urban environment? And, you know, truth be told, before COVID, my wife and I, we preferred a more urban uh, environment. We lived in uptown Charlotte and we very much enjoyed it. I don't think we would now um, because everything's shut down and, you know, the spread of COVID and all that just is like. People are losing their minds over it. And so, like, I, I don't know if we would enjoy it. And I think every city is different. You know, we may have been at home in uptown Charlotte, but not uh, in downtown Asheville. Um, and I, I, that's actually very true. I'm, I'm not saying if. <laughs> I should say this is a fact. We we liked uptown Charlotte, not a fan of downtown Asheville. Um, it's just a different cities. Um So when it comes to message development, though, is it something that works its way up uh, from, you know, cities counties towns and stuff and then you guys are are, you know become aware of this or is it from the state level down the thinking of all politics are local Mm -hmm. i think is probably used to be way more true than it is now i'd say 85 to 90 percent of politics is now national um, when everyone is just because politics has become mass entertainment for so many people over the last five years. Um, you know, Fo- Fox News, MSNBC, and CNN getting these just obscene ratings. And then I, I think what's Newsmax has gotten, like they gotten like a million viewers for a show last week, which is mind boggling to me because how many people even know they have Newsmax mm-hmm. as an option? Right. Um, and, and so as politics becomes more and more mass entertainment and, this election was more and more about how do you feel about Donald Trump for good or ill? Um, and 2016 was a lot of how do you feel about Hillary Clinton for good or ill? I, I'd say the overwhelming majority of politics is national, but there are still local issues that do matter. Um, and so, you know, 2018 out in Haywood County, um, so out in your neck of the woods, mm-hmm. uh, emissions, emissions testing was a really big deal in Haywood County. And we had a, we had a, um, we had a race that was, um, Yancey, Madison and Haywood County. So it was a 
Tight Race, one of our majority makers that's been moving our, our way a few points every year um, for, for four or five election cycles now. It's now pretty safely Republican, but an 18 was not was not a sure thing. Um, but emissions testing was a really big deal, but only in Haywood County. Right. And so we had we had messages that were developed um, that were truthful about how our how our candidate felt about emissions testing and what her record of accomplishments in Raleigh uh, for people in Haywood County were. And so we made sure that voters in Haywood County knew about it. Um, but also who we who we targeted with those uh, messages was a little different than what we would have said with, you know, like a pro Second Amendment message. Um, so they're, they're those when you're a down ballot candidate and you're playing at the margins and you've got maybe five percent separation between what you and the top of the ticket and the person of your party ID at the top of the ticket is going to do. Those local issues are still dominant. And so there's an outsized impact that those those local issues have, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that all politics are local like we've we've believed for so long. Yeah. More with Stephen Wiley in a minute. Let me tell you first about Mattress Man, mattressmanstores.com. Christy and I got our mattress from Mattress Man about uh, seven years ago or so, and we got a king-size memory foam, and uh, maybe you don't want a memory foam. Maybe you want a traditional inner spring. They have those. Pocketed spring, they've got those too. Pillow tops, natural latex, hand-tufted, two-sided. They've got all of the mattresses, and they have sleep consultants that can help you pick the right mattress for you. They have local five-star delivery service. They have uh, a 120-day comfort guarantee, and they ship nationwide. They also have triple zero financing deals. So uh, no money down, uh, no APR for 24 months, and no payments for 90 days, triple zeros. You win, win, win. They've got mountains of inventory. The Biltmore collection uh, made by Restonic out of Fayetteville. These are the mattresses that are at the Biltmore, by the way. Mattressmanstores.com. Experience the difference at Mattressman. Buy local and sleep better. Uh, My guest is Stephen Wiley. He's the uh, North Carolina House Republican Caucus director. Um, One of the messages that I I think I picked up on just a little bit right before the election was the defund the police message. Were you aware that that was a message? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I had heard about that. (laughs) This was Um, this was a very this seemed uh, and it's rare. Like, I mean, I'm I'm better when somebody else points these things out and then I can. Oh, yeah, I can see that. But this one I saw like I this one to me seemed pretty obvious that uh, Republicans saw an opportunity to um, uh, to really hang this defund police issue around the necks of the Democrats, and I think rightfully so. Um, uh, and so that wasn't that, that was intentional. I'm not I'm not like misreading that. Uh, yes, I mean that was it was definitely intentional. Um, the messaging we did about defund the police around mid September. Yeah, uh, I mean they, there's this there's this group. Um, called Future Now Funds, which crop, popped up a few years ago, um, started by a former member of the New York uh, State Senate named Daniel Squadron. And um, you, you kind of think like he's kind of like the Jeff Jackson of New York. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I'm not exaggerating at all. And he 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 was a very busy guy in the, in the New York General Assembly or state legislature, whatever the title was. Um, and he, he would introduce hundreds of bills every year and 
saw very little success with anything significant. And after the 2016 election, he got frustrated and resigned and tried to start his own version of the American Legislative Exchange Council, which um, is a boogeyman to many people on the left. Mm-hmm. Alec, it's uh, part of the coke to puss, as uh, if you were. Um, so it's, I've never heard that term yeah. before. That is yeah, a great you're, wel- <laughs> you're welcome to use it. Yeah. Um, so it's so Alec, you know, I've been to Alec conferences and I, I worked for Representative Jason Sane at the legislature, who was national chair of Alec. Um, and and Alec, it's the people on the left think it's some sinister group, and, and I don't think that I don't think I'd be uh, saying anything that anyone involved in Alec would be embarrassed for me to say. Like, as someone who very much enjoyed going to Alec conferences, it's just a bunch of nerds who really love fiscal policy, right? And there's nothing sinister about it. They post things. Um, they post their model legislation. And they don't, you know, there, there's no. Right. They literally tell nobody, you what no, they want to do. Right. It's literally written right. out in a bill form. Right. And says, this is what right. we want to do. Yeah. Rep- Republicans, they, they want lower taxes. They want to simplify the tax code and they want to expand school choice. And we will tell anyone that anytime, anyplace. It's not a secret. Right. And they're, they're very candid about it. And. So Daniel Squadron started Future Now as kind of like this liberal response to to Alec, where they would do this model legislation. Um, and they tried to distinguish it from Alec in a few ways where they very publicly posted model legislation and they partnered with different state legislative um, caucuses around the country to get started, including the North Carolina House Democrats in 2018. Um, and there, you know, there's a bunch of press releases about it back in spring 2018, which is when they first came up on my radar. Um, and we started monitoring them, just, just keeping up with it. And, you know, I, I think, I think model legislation is generally a good idea, um, because it is a way for you to have like a baseline, especially as like a part-time legislator, uh, who maybe, um, you know, given what we pay our state legislators in North Carolina, uh, which is $13,900 a year, uh, they're not going to be subject matter experts on everything, and they're not going to be a lot of attorneys. Mm-hmm. So ha- giving them a baseline to start with, is, it's not a bad idea. Well, and, and, they also, and they also take model legislation and run it right. through the General Assembly staffers as well, right? right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, and so you'll you'll never see model legislation introduced verbatim um, in the General Assembly if it's not, like, conforming to whatever laws or statutes are already on the books. Right. So it's, there's always going to be some changes. And, it, you know, I'm generally okay with, with the idea of model legislation because of that, because it helps these legislators visualize it. Um, and the difference between, so the key differences between Future Now Fund and ALEC is that um, Future Now, like, very, like, proudly says on their website, and in all their press releases prior to <laughs> prior <laughs> September of this year, uh, said like um, America's goals is where you can track model legis- the model legislation and introduce it into your chambers or into your into your chambers, and um, you sign a pledge to enact these goals by 2030, or, or work to enact these goals by 2030. And they they very very explicitly say um, track all of like here are the broader points and then track all of the specific legislation 
that are that are subsets of these broader points at americasgoals.org. So, you know, I've been tracking americasgoals.org and I just was checking in on it um, back in September um, around Labor Day to see if they had updated anything. And sure enough, I saw some new model legislation popped up that matched, um, you know, this, this reallocation of police funds. Um, and so we, we started talking about that. Um, yeah. and, and we, we did have a, um, you know, there was mail, TV, TV ads and digital ads that all launched within the space of a few days of each other. Um, but the, the other key thing, the other key difference between Alec, and I think, I think this is the most significant difference between Alec and future now is that there is no fundraising component for members of Alec. Like you, you don't go to Alec to raise money. Mm-hmm. Um, Future Now Fund has a pack, and to me, this is a gray area where the Democrats have, I think, um, pushed it a little bit further than maybe conservative groups have, where there are all these um, candidates and members of the the House Democratic Caucus who had signed this pledge, and then they got fifty four hundred dollars from Future Now Fund. Right. And that and that was the significant difference, uh, and I, I think that's and that's where a lot of the contention that that we had uh, with with our friends on the other side of the aisle was um, not just that they pledged to enact this uh, this reallocation of police funds, but that there was a fundraising aspect to it. Right. It almost it, it smacks of pay to play. It, it looks like a bribe basically like here's a bunch of money if you do what we say now i I know the old the the alternative view on that would be well we believe these things and they want to support people that believe in them too and so there's nothing unethical about it but it just it it doesn't look good (laughs) just looking at it from the outside now honestly i had no idea so this is it sounds like this was kind of your thing I did not know that. Okay, I swear. Like I just, uh, this was just one of the the issues that I had written down as we started talking, and and I, I remembered it. Uh, and so it sounds like though this defund the police effort because it was successful. So congratulations. I thought it was a successful. Uh, I don't. I guess line of attack is appropriate to say it was. Just, it, it it worked. I think, and it it, it had the benefit of being true, <laughs> which is right. always helpful in right. politics. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the biggest thing is that. We, with any kind of negative campaigning, um, you know, there, there are a few rules that it need that it needs to pass, um, just different thresholds that before we send anything out is one, yeah, is it truthful? Mm-hmm. Um, is it a hundred percent truthful? And it's our contention is that a reallocation of budget of budgeting, both at the state and local level away from police departments into other things is by definition, taking away funds from police departments. Um, either if you call it reallocation or defunding mm-hmm. it in effect, like the practical, the practical effect is money will be taken out of police departments. Right. Um, the second, second aspect of it is, uh, is this a public service for voters to know? Like if I'm, if I'm a voter, would I want to know whether a candidate or elected official said or did this when I go to vote? Uh, and I, I felt like it was important enough, um, and, and our caucus felt like it was it was important enough in many of these races that voters know about it. Uh, and the third third part of it is, is there any other way that the voter would hear about it if not from us? So like, you know, is there going to be a news story about it? 
Uh, is there any kind of generally? Um, no. The answer to that or, question yeah. is just generally always right. no. So especially down ballot, <laughs> especially down ballot. And yeah. so, so that you know, that point it then becomes incumbent upon the House Caucus to um, and and our candidates and members to then share that information. Um, and you know, we we can be a little bit more in. Um, I'd say inflammatory might be a way I describe it. Um, with eye, eye catching would be how I would personally describe what we do. Uh, just because, especially in a year when you've got, you know, most expensive U.S. Senate race, um, presidential race, it, it just the the amount of mail and TV that people are seeing. We had a pretty um, pretty eye catching uh, campaign this year. But, yes. Um, yeah. So I, I, that that. That was a significant message. I and I'll be honest, I I don't know if defund the police was the um, knockout blow on these Democratic campaigns that we necessarily thought it would be. And um, and there, I, I think because you know I, I could I could talk to you all day about polling, um, but I, I don't think anyone wants to hear me talk for half an hour about polling. Well, and I don't day, but, I don't even really yeah. believe in much of it any I, I don't like they they're interesting more so for a trend line, but and right. I know people put a lot of faith in them and such. I just I can't trust them. So I just I don't even yeah. bother with them anymore. Um but I know but in your line polling, of work you need them. Yeah. Po- polling definitely has its uses with message testing. Right. Um and I think that's that's where polling really still has a significant use. Um, but you know, if you're, if you're average, um, suburban voter and you see, you know, a news story and a mail piece, uh, about, um, defunding the police, well, you know, you're still going to see a cop, uh, two blocks up the road from you, um, cruising, cruising down main street. And it doesn't necessarily feel real. Uh, it, what does feel real is that, um, the amount of taxes that you pay, um, or you don't pay, um, is your business closed because of COVID? Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, pe- people didn't like the idea of defunding the police. Um, and that was very obvious, but it, it didn't, I don't think it had as um, significant of an impact on voters as we thought it would. Um, but we, they didn't, I think fortunately for us is that we had so many other positive messages about the record that um, our candidates and members had that, we were able to still run very strong campaigns about about our record and run against the record of, of maybe Democrats. More with Stephen in a minute. First, Old Grouch's military surplus in downtown Clyde. They have got everything that you need if you are trying to put together a go bag, your prepper supplies, or if you're just an outdoorsy type. If you're a backpacker, a hiker, camper, you need a first aid kit. Okay, because you don't want to be out in the middle of nowhere. Something happens, God forbid, and then you are completely unprepared. So go to Old Grouch's Military Surplus. He's got tons of equipment and gear. Old Grouch's Military Surplus on Main Street in downtown Clyde. The shop is open Monday through Saturday across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and at oldgrouch.com. Stephen Wiley is my guest. He is the North Carolina House Republican Caucus Director, and I'm uh, I'm running out of time here with you because I could talk about this stuff too, like for hours. But um, I want to <laughs> ask you so because when when I first asked you if you wanted to come on the show and discuss this, you you mentioned that uh, you, this program that that y'all developed, and so I want to give you time to talk mm-hmm. about this program and w- what exactly is the program that you developed that 
I guess you're attributing the success of the Republicans in the election to. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I, I could, another one of those things where I could go into gratuitous detail that would <laughs> probably make even my eyes glaze over. Um, but I mean, the, you know, we've talked about just the, the margins that we have to play with down ballot are very finite. Um, and I think uh, there's a pretty, pretty significant amount of attention has been paid to the RNC's grassroots effort versus DNC's efforts with grassroots, where Democrats, in some cases, like the Democratic staff were revolting when their their senior staff members and senior campaigns were asking them to do door knocking. Right. I said, no, we won't do it because of COVID. And um, people got call, phone call fatigue and Zoom fatigue. And we we still had on the Republican side, you know, you still had RNC volunteers and young Republican volunteers still doing, you know, lit drops 15 feet away uh, on, on somebody's front porch on the bottom of their stairs. And there's that minimal human contact, just like making eye contact between your masks. Uh, like that was, that was significant and that had a significant impact. And, and for us, it's, we've got to be very nimble and, and smart about how we allocate our resources down ballot candidates uh, and having a really robust data program, I think is significant, um, significant aspect of what we did well. And I, there's a huge piece of, I think, I think issues-based polling has a very huge piece of, of what we do well as down ballot candidates, but it's, it's not the, not the only thing that's going to make or break a campaign. And I, I, and that's, and that's true, whether you're running for president or you're running for soil and water, um, you know, the, the pr- predictive modeling aspect of it, I think is, is very, very uh, significant. Um, and we, and we've, we've been fortunate enough the last few cycles to really develop, I, I think a strong um, data and modeling program that, it, that just, it just grows, grows every time. Um, and and it, it, it gets better, gets better every cycle. Is this um, sort of like a statewide version of the vault? That you like the 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 RNC used to have the vault, right? Yeah, it's 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 similar to that. Yeah, okay. uh, it's it's definitely modified for for our usage. Sure. Um, yeah. So, and, it's, and, and you... it's it's not quite it's not quite like when uh, and Batman begins when Morgan Freeman uh, <laughs> tells tells Christian Bale he's going to acquit, but then he opens up this machine and everyone's got right. their their cell phones out and got the the camera it's not quite like that right yeah (laughs) um so you just said something and i had not even considered it but in covid times i knew about sort of the democrat side of this where yeah people didn't want to go door knock and stuff because of covid sort of they were victims of their own the democrats were victims of their own messaging uh of Mm -hmm. fear i would submit uh but uh but because everybody was staying at home um just having somebody at your door that human interaction that might have gotten you guys some points just overall just because of that and it's got nothing to do with politics at all have you considered that yeah and, and i mean the humanizing people right is i think the biggest thing and if i had to boil it down to just like the what what's important in our elections um when we talk about these local issues or or how we we identify candidates that match the districts it's um or even defund the police or or covid relief funding it's 
does this candidate care about me and do they care about my family? And so we, we've, with you know, the economy has been mostly good for a decade until, until, you know, this year, obviously. And so a lot of our conventional wisdom of it's the economy stupid wasn't necessarily true. Uh, it was, I think the most important issue is top three or four, but the number one growing issue among people who decide an election, so those, those swing voters, was more about um, what are you doing to invest in my child's education? Uh, what are you doing to make healthcare more affordable and more accessible? Uh, and so does this candidate care about me? And so uh, does just kind of want to defund the police. Uh, that probably means they don't care about me if uh, it's going to extend uh, the amount of time for police to respond to uh, to a break-in. Um, uh, the, this this legislator voted to appropriate $125 million in bridge loans for small businesses uh, impacted by COVID. They care about me, a small business owner. And that that's that's really what a lot of this came, came down to. And then and the flip side of that is if you've got a human like there's there's a human on the other side of that ballot where, where you're not you're voting and you actually have made eye contact with the candidate or you've seen seen them at you know the the strawberry festival in johnson county or whatever it may be like that that's that's significant and that mm-hmm. pe- people remember that um and, and they're going to remember they're going to remember how you how that candidate made them feel, whether it was a positive or a negative, or whether they seemed human. Um, and you know, we we recruited a lot of good human people. That's a, that's uh, always that's, a winning strategy, I think. Humans. Yeah. 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 Not not robots. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Stephen Wiley, I've taken way too much of your time. I do appreciate you spending it with me, though. I really do. Uh, he is the North Carolina House GOP Caucus Director, and we'd love to have you back on the show sometime. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Pete. And that's a wrap for this episode. I appreciate you listening. And remember, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Give it a positive review. That's very helpful. Also, consider becoming a patron of the program. Even more helpful. You get cool stuff and exclusive content. Links are all at thepetecalendarshow.com. Thanks for listening and for the support. We'll talk with you later. And don't break anything while I'm gone. 